This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the Roker Report podcast in association with Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen. My name is Rich Spit and I'm joined for this very special episode, this playoff episode of the podcast, by the chairman of Lincoln City Football Club, Clive Nates. Um, how are you this evening, Clive? Yeah, good, Rich. Uh, all good here in South Africa and uh, happy to be speaking to you. Fantastic. Yeah, well, well, I'm in Wales, you're in South Africa and we're talking about Lincoln and Sunderland. It's a, a, a global game. <laughs> And, and it's lovely uh, to get you on the podcast this week. So, Clive, you've been chairman, I think, since June um, 2018 of Lincoln City Football Club. Um, for, so for Sunderland fans who might not be familiar with your background, can you tell us a little bit about like how and why you got involved with Lincoln City? Uh, as a kid, I was soccer crazy. And if, or I should rather say football crazy, um, <laughs> if you're football crazy in South Africa, you support an English football team. My hero as a kid was Alan Ball. He played for Everton, so I became an Everton fan. Mm-hmm. And I loved looking across the whole pyramid. The promotions and relegations across all the leagues were fascinating. And in 2002, Everton actually had an alliance with Lincoln City. And basically from that time, I just started to follow uh, the imps, and I think the more that they were battling towards the bottom of League Two and then going into non-league, I just followed them more and more. So when I decided to tick off the number one item on my bucket list to get involved with an English football club, Lincoln City was the natural choice, and. I had retired from being a hedge fund manager. And in early 2015, uh, the club was told by their bankers that they were withdrawing their uh, loan and overdraft facilities. Mm -hmm. I sent off an email to the club and put me in touch with the chairman. And here I am, six years later, chairman of the club, and we've got a chance of getting into the championship. Well, absolutely. It's been a really meteoric rise really I mean in, in 2017 you were in the National League then you won uh, League 2 in the first season with I think it was John Akinde scoring a good few goals for you that season wasn't it and then 
you consolidated in League One last season and now you're in the playoffs. It's been really impressive progress and it's it's something that I'm sure other clubs will be looking to learn from. What do you think have been the kind of the key factors in this success? I think there are a lot of factors, but without a doubt, two of the biggest key factors are choosing uh, the right manager. Um, mm-hmm. And the other is uh, getting the right staff in place on the ground at the club. So obviously, Danny and Nicky did brilliantly with us. Michael this season, uh, as you can see, has done fantastically well with a very young team with a budget uh, in the lower half. And uh, off the field, we try to bring in somebody that had EFL experience when we got promoted back into the Football League. And Liam Scully has built up a brilliant team off the field. And I think the combination of getting the right people on the field and the right people off the field is really uh, what's behind our success. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been fantastic success. And you talk about the importance of, of the management teams that you've had in place. Obviously, Danny and Nicky Cowley, I think, um, Sunderland fans, many Sunderland fans, when we were looking for a new manager, were very keen on on Danny and Nicky. And obviously, they've gone over to to, to Ipswich um, now, and and I'm sure we'll will be uh, pushing on next season. How important? Because it seems like there's been a kind of a consistency in the style of play. How important do you think it it, it has been that that kind of consistency and approach on the pitch has been in terms of the success of of Lincoln? Well, look, it, it actually has changed, um, I would say, significantly from where we were in National League and where we are mm-hmm. now in League One. I think we were all in a hurry, certainly National League, to progress as quickly as we could. And even in League Two, we had the ability to compete with the top clubs in League Two. So at least in the second season that we were in League Two, we had a budget uh, in the top four, and you know took advantage of that uh, to get promoted. But coming into League One, we've definitely had a change uh, the way we play. We know that there's no chance we can compete with the big clubs in League One like Sunderland. So we have to look at developing our own players, bringing through players uh, from other teams and developing them and trying to sell on those players. And if you're looking to do that, you have to play ideally with a different style. You've got to play with a more attractive style, playing out from the back. If you're going to play Route 1 football, you're not going to find a market for your players. That's really interesting, actually, um, because there's been a lot of talk recently um, about, you know, the influence of the style of play in the Premier League. And it's interesting to hear from a business point of view that aligning the club with what might be attractive um, in terms of buying players further up the, the pyramid is important for for what happens on the pitch in League One. I think that's, that's something uh, a lot of clubs, I think, will be learning from. And I've seen over the last three years of us being in, in League One, more teams playing better and, and more attractive football um, over that period. But obviously this year we've had, uh, it's been a very difficult year for everyone, we've had COVID-19 and um, I was wondering how that's impacted Lincoln City as a business. It's a very different size of club to to, to Sunderland um, and 
I'm assuming that match day revenue as well as player sales has been a, a, a really important revenue stream for you in the past. And I was wondering how you've managed to cope with that over over this period. Yeah, it's been a difficult period. I mean, a year ago, you know, we were unsure um, as to what the future would be like. Mm-hmm. I think the first priority was survival. Um, and when it came to looking at, at extending any contracts of players whose contracts had come to an end at the end of last season, we weren't in a position to do that. And it was only, let's say, we're towards the end of June when we got a bit more certainty as to how things might look, that we were able to really start putting a budget forward. Uh, Even initially, um, it wasn't that definitive. It was only with time where we were sure that we were going to get back to play. Obviously, you know, we heard that uh, there wouldn't be fans initially. So we had a cutback significantly on our budget. It was 40% below it was in 2019-20. And that's why, you know, or at least it's one of the reasons why we have a budget uh, in the lower half of teams in League One. So obviously you're over, overachieving this season on, on that budget, that lower half of the, the, um, the, the table budget, but... You know, and maybe that is a, a testament to the philosophy that you've instituted through the club and, and your team on the ground have. Did you, a question I, I guess a lot of Sunderland fans will be asking and, and as asked of, I guess, all club chairmen that we speak to, is about how last season ended. It was obviously, it was ended on average points per game. And I think for a lot of Sunderland fans, it's been um, a bit of a sore point in that um, there's the the view that it denied us the chance to make a late season charge for promotion, whereas I'm I'm possibly in the minority in accepting it as kind of a necessary evil for the good of the EFL overall. But can you explain your decision making around that? I mean, how did you vote in that, and 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 what were the factors that came into your decision? I don't think there was any question how we would vote when eventually the vote took place. The vote took place, I mean, very, very late. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think even those teams that voted in favour of continuing the season did it with the full knowledge that it was totally impractical to start the season at that point. You know, we were three to four weeks behind the championship. Mm-hmm. Playoffs would have only taken place in the second half of August. How would we have been able to go from the end of that season into a season, you know, that was so compacted in any event? Um, It it just wouldn't have been possible. If we had voted, you know, in time to start at the same point as the championship, then possibly it could have been a different decision. But, you know, for whatever reason, the EFL decided because there was so many different views on what to do. There was no other option for us. One of the options that I'm surprised that teams like uh, Sunderland and Peterborough didn't push for was to extend the number of teams in the playoff from four to six as takes place in non-league. It just seemed to me a logical decision to try and push for in extenuating circumstances, but for 
some reason, there were all sorts of weird, weird alternatives that were put forward. Even the law, even 16 teams going into some playoff, so that we, as the 16th place team, might have even had to play Coventry. You know, absolutely crazy alternatives that that were put to us. At that point, I guess there was no financial package that was agreed in order to support the rollout of whatever alternatives to ending the season on points became, you know, there, there was there was nothing there to, to enable it to happen financially. Is that right? Yeah, I think that was that that was one of the other big problems. There would have been significant additional costs for clubs to undertake COVID testing and, you know, to make make it viable for League One clubs, you know, to pay for those costs. It was imperative for the EFL to come up with some way of financing that which they weren't able to do. I know it was tough in the likes of Peterborough and yourselves, but, you know, no club was probably punished more than Tranmere. But to be Mm. honest, I couldn't see an alternative other than extending the playoffs to six teams. And and looking at finance and alternatives and creative solutions, one of the things I think that has impressed many football fans across across England, across the world possibly, is is the scheme that you initiated with the, the Red Imps Community Trust last year to convert um, potential refunds on tickets, on season tickets, into shares in the club. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about like how that worked and, and how the scheme's actually um, operated and gone so far? Well, we didn't play, I think it was the last five games, plus the Berry mm. game. Um, so there were six games, essentially, where fans had built up credits. And we decided to give them the ability to convert those credits into shares, either in their own name or in the name of the trust. And around 80% of shareholder, of season ticket holders converted their credits into shares, which amounted to about £340,000 which was a fantastic amount of money for us uh, under the circumstances we were operating under. And that, and that's brilliant, is it? Because that's bringing the fans on board in, in the kind of enterprise of keeping keeping uh, Lincoln City and, you know, the league going. And and so, uh, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's wonderful. And we've heard in the past about um, how involved your supporters have been in the club and in the life of the club and in kind of raising the the profile of the club and bringing more people along um to the ground um and and so i think i think it's fantastic that you found a way of of getting them to to help the club through what was the the most kind of financially stressful time i i guess in the in the recent history of of football and i look i've noticed that recently you've managed to secure further investment from uh, an American-based individual who's invested in the club. Um, what does that deal kind of look like and, and how important is it going to be if Lincoln do somehow uh, get past Sunderland and, and then whoever in the, in the final and get into the championship? Yeah, look, it's, it's important for us to keep trying to bring in new investment um, because a lot of what we're trying to do is not only invest in players, but it's to improve the infrastructure. We've got a relatively old stadium, so that needs a lot of money to keep improving that. We've got a training ground, which was only set up uh, three seasons ago. 
So there's a lot of plans to try and improve that. So definitely there is a desire to, to bring in further investment. Um, this U investor, U.S. investor was introduced to us via an intermediary who I've been in touch with for a while, and he seemed to think that we would be a good fit because the only type of investors we are looking for are like-minded people like us. We're not in the club to make any money out of it. We're in it because we love football, we love the club, and we're trying to take it uh, as far as we possibly can. And, you know, with that criteria, it's not easy to find people to invest in a football club. So this is a connection that was made back end of last year. We've had ongoing Zoom meetings uh, over the last couple of months, and we expect the investment to be completed in the next few weeks. It's a minority investment. He has no desire to um, change anything about the club. At this stage, he won't be even uh, becoming a board member. So it's, again, very much the sort of ideals that all of us that sit on the board have for the club. That sounds really interesting, and I think um, I think Sunderland fans are very familiar with the uh, the 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 long drawn out process of getting investment in a football club during a pandemic. I can't imagine it. It's been an easy an easy task to uh, bring somebody on board like that. But we're coming out the other end of it now. Hopefully, fingers crossed, and touching all sorts of wood, and fans will be allowed back in the grounds for um, the upcoming fixtures for the for the playoff semi-finals. I think it was. Is it three thousand one hundred and forty-five? Will be back inside Sinsel Bank. Yeah, um, which is which is um, how how much of uh, what's the capacity of the ground? Is it about ten. It's 10, just 000? over ten thousand. Yeah. So that's that's a, a good third of the you know it's nearly a third of the capacity, and so I'm guessing you'll be expecting a a really good atmosphere there, and and a very different spectacle on Wednesday from the game that we had back in in December. Yeah, I would expect it to be uh, quite different. I mean. Both our teams uh, have disappointing home records, but uh, it could be uh, very different with fans in, mm-hmm. albeit you know 30% in our case and around 25% at the Stadium of Light. But uh, yeah, you know, after you've been away for uh, over a year from being in the stadium, I would imagine even the quietest of fans will be making a noise. Yeah, I mean, it's been fun seeing uh, messages from from fellow Sunderland fans who've got their tickets for the second leg, including my dad. Uh, I wish I was able to go. I'm not a season ticket holder because I live over in Wales. Um, I try to go as many away games as I can in normal times, uh, but I, I I can't right now. So it's been lovely to see that, and I think I think all football fans will be glad. Sunderland fans will be glad to see Lincoln fans in, in the ground when they're watching on, on TV Wednesday, I'm sure. So you've had a really, really good season to get where you are. As you said, you've got a, a budget that's in the in the bottom half of the League One table in terms of spending. Uh, but you set the pace early on in the season. There were some fantastic results, uh, really quick out of the blocks. Why do, you, why do you think that was? Well, I think that was a huge surprise to us because of all the clubs in League One, we had the biggest change uh, mm-hmm. in the squad from the previous season. Um, also, we had a lot of change uh, in the previous January transfer window. And then obviously with this 
season being curtailed uh, in, in March. There wasn't really enough time for those players that were brought in January to even settle into the club. And with all the further changes in the summer, um, I think if anything, we all expected it would be a bit slow. So it was a surprise and massive credit to Michael and the whole backroom team to have got the team you know, up to speed so quickly. I mean, when we came to Sinsel Bank in December, we were on a real low ebb. You were riding pretty high. And we managed to come out of that game as 4-0 victors. But I think among Sunderland fans, that victory is, is, is talked about as very fortunate. I mean, you, you really should have been 2-0 two no, two up in the, in the first few minutes of, of that game. Um, do you think you know, that game represented something of a change in, in kind of the, the, the season maybe for both teams? Um, I don't think so much for us. Um, I mean, I, I think we lost the next game but got back on track again. Mm. So I think it was only further on this season that we hit a difficult patch. 3-2 uh, up against uh, Plymouth was, for me, the change or you know the cause, really, of going into a bit of a slump. 3-2 up, really cruising, missing a chance to go 4-2 up and losing that game 4-3. And then we lost the next game at home. And so the injuries picked up. We lost George Grant through a lengthy injury in that uh, game against Plymouth. And yeah, uh, it took a while for us to get back on track. We were also hit quite badly by COVID. And, mm. you know, it's only post, let's say, that break, um, we've actually started to pick up again. And most of our, well, I think all of our important players that have been out through injury are now back fit again. So um, and that must be a real boost for Michael Appleton and, and, and the team to have those players coming back. Who do you think who um, have been the most standout players for Lincoln this season? Obviously, you've had a, a great amount of change, as you've explained. But um, who, who who do you think will be in the lineup, say, for your Player of the Year awards this season? Well, certainly George Grant has been a mm-hmm. big player for us. Uh, 17 goals. Uh, Brandon Johnson and uh, Morgan Rogers, who on loan from Nottingham Forest and Man City, respectively, big players. Conor McGrandles uh, in midfield, Tom Hopper up front. You know, Joe Walsh in defence has been fantastic for us, although he's been out quite a bit throughout the season. And Lewis Monsma, um, who we signed from the Dutch second tier as a central defender, has scored uh, nine goals this season. So, you know, there's really a whole lot of players that have come to the party. And even someone like uh, Anthony Scully, who hasn't necessarily always been in the team, has also managed to score 17 goals this season. That's really impressive. I mean, our goals have been very much concentrated in Charlie Wyke. Um, I think other than him, I think Grant Ledbett is our second highest scorer and he's he's the penalty taker. Um, so, um, yeah, it's a very different proposition from having a, a team where the goals seem to be spread about and um, to, to one where obviously we've got a, a focal point to our attack. Other than maybe Charlie Wyke, who's the obvious one, who amongst the Sunderland squad uh, keeps you awake at night worrying? Well, obviously the ex-Everton player, Aidan McGeady, for mm-hmm. in assists, I believe, and uh, mm-hmm. got to keep him and uh, Charlie Wyke, you know, quiet for starters. 
yeah. doesn't mean that you don't have to worry about a couple of other players uh, in your side. You've you know, obviously got a lot of talent uh, in your squad. Um, but yeah, without a doubt, you need to keep uh, Aiden McGeady quiet. Yeah, uh, that's very astute um, observation there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, those two are well. It's been it's very very much shown. They both got in the um, the the League One team of the year, and I think it's through their combination play that they've they've done that. Um, so um, I'm not going to um, ask you for a, a score prediction, but um, I, I will um, thank you very much for your time. This evening, Clive, it's been really interesting to speak to you and be really interesting to find out about what's going on at Lincoln City. Um, so I wish you all the best uh, for, well, maybe not for the next week, but beyond that, um, wish you all the best. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. Thanks very much, Rich. Best of luck beyond the next two weeks. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.